So today, man, it's the last leg of our journey. We've been in the last six months on this journey, um, designated, right there's the title, Looking to Jesus. Obviously, we look to Jesus every single Sunday, every single sermon that ever is to be preached from this pulpit should cause everyone to look, fix your eyes on Jesus. But more specifically, over the last six months, we wanted to dial in on different snapshots of Jesus Christ. To see how he's described through the scriptures, all the Bible, Old Testament to New Testament, beginning of your Bible to the end of your Bible. We've wanted to follow the exhortation of the writer of Hebrews, where we find, we started this out 19 studies ago, where this author of Hebrews says in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, set aside, I mean, it's very intentional, lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely to you and run with endurance that race that is set before you. And here it is. Look to Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So every week we've been reminding ourselves of this fact, that through times of uncertainty and unrest and doubt and discouragement and disgust, just think about the last six months, Tears don't come to your eyes. You're at least shaking your head thinking, what is going on? And over the last six months of all of this unrest and uncertainty and this disgust in our hearts that wells up, what are we to do, brothers and sisters in Christ? We are to fix our eyes on Jesus. And so that's what we've been doing. And today we want to close out this study with this key idea. As our faith is tested... We must fix our eyes on Jesus. And what snapshot about Jesus do we want to close out this study with? Here it is. Jesus is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. We're back in the book of Revelation today. By the way, I miss my brother Daniel. You're all going to have to pick up the baton today, the amen guy. Back in Revelation, talking about things to come, primarily the return of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And here is the biblical fact that we've been meditating on the last couple of weeks. We've been rejoicing in this fact. We've been celebrating this fact that the bridegroom, Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ, he is coming back. And we are going to party hardy. Jesus is coming back. King Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, is returning to rule and reign. It will happen. If you believe the Bible, it doesn't matter if you believe it or not. It's going to (laughs) happen. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we find special encouragement from God's word that the Lamb of God who came to be sacrificed for the sins of man, will return as the lion of the tribe of Judah. Through his first coming, King Jesus provided this spiritual kingdom, a kingdom that is to be lived out in a practical way every single day by you and me. We are the feet, we are the hands of the body of Christ. A spiritual kingdom that is to reach deep into our community, to shine as a bright light. 
the spiritual kingdom, though, as you read through the Bible and you come to the end. We're talking, talking about this beautiful story, this vision in the book of Revelation in your Bible. We see that there will actually be a full realization of the kingdom. A kingdom that will be fully, fully realized by all. And Jesus will rule and reign for all eternity. That's what we've been looking at. So here we are in Revelation. The climactic conclusion of our Bibles. This vision by God to old man John. And in Revelation we find the dynamic truth. And here it is. All of human history points supremely to Jesus Christ. The existence of the entire universe centers on one person. And let us get this in our heads today. Because Satan does not want this in your heads. The world does not want this in your heads. Your flesh does not want to cling to this thought. And here's the thought. This universe centers on one person. Jesus Christ. Why? Because Jesus Christ is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. This morning I want us to see this very clearly through four texts. On the screen here, you can turn your hand out over if you'd like. Boy, today, I just wanted to read through all of these chapters, and we would be here till four this afternoon, and you'd miss your Super Bowl celebration if you're, well, that doesn't really matter, but just got to, just take note, cheer against Tom Brady. No. I couldn't resist. Some Northeasters here are like, no, cheer for him. In your face, Bill Belichick. any rate. How did that enter into this sermon? I do not know. But let's get back to Revelation 1. Revelation chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. I want to start with this. And would you look with me? Verses 7 and 8. Old man John, Jesus' apostle in his later years, given the vision of future things, says this. Behold, he, he is referring to Jesus, is coming with the clouds. And every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. Verse 8, I am the Alpha and Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Can we look down to verses 17 and 18? When I, John, saw him... Jesus, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last. And the living one. I died. And behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death in Hades. Now, like bookends, I want us to go from Revelation 1 to the end. And this is intentional through the Holy Spirit. We find this concept of Alpha and Omega highlighted in chapter 1. We find this concept of Alpha and Omega highlighted in chapter 21 and chapter 2. We see this beautiful picture that the Alpha and Omega relates to all of human history. Revelation chapter 21 you know what, I'm going to read verses 1 through 8. Verse 1. Then I saw 
a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as the bride adorned for her husband. Verse 3, 21. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall no more be. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Verse 5, And he who was seated on the throne, this is referring to God Almighty, said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he, also he said, Write this down, John. Get your pen ready. Write it down. For these words are trustworthy and true. Verse 6 in chapter 21. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of water, of the water of life without payment. <laughs> let's, let's just jump to chapter 22. And then we'll kind of unpack this concept of Alpha and Omega. Verse 12. Behold, I, referring to Jesus, and coming soon, bringing my recompense or my reward with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and last, the beginning and the end. Okay. Brothers and sisters, friends, what did we just read? Beginning of Revelation, end of Revelation. Very clearly, one of the primary themes of this entire book is this Trinitarian proclamation. And here's the proclamation. I am the Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end. Okay? I just threw out this one term that you're, you might be like, what? Trinitarian. Okay, What is that? It's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. In this statement, though, we find two persons of the Godhead, and it's beautiful. God the Father and God the Son. And all of those passages just, we just read, we find highlighted God the Father and God the Son. Both of them proclaiming the exact same thing. And we see that. Would you look with me again at verse one, uh, chapter 1, verse 8? On the back of your handout, I highlighted it because I really want us to look at these phrases. Verse 8. Note that this is from God the Father, the Almighty One. Revelation 1, 8. I am the Alpha and Omega, says the Lord God. Would you look down with me at verse 17? Just skip down there. What does Jesus, the Son, say? I am the first and last. <laughs> All right, let's skip if, in our minds to Revelation 21. So we've already had a statement at the beginning of the book from God the Father and God the Son alike in chapter 1. Now let's go to the end of the book in chapter 21, verse 6. From God the Father, what do we read? I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. 
And then how does our entire Bible conclude with a declaration from Jesus Christ that says this in chapter 22, verse 13. This is God the Son. I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. All of these things that were just stated, I am that. This is Jesus Christ. Okay, well, how does this fit theologically? We need to wrestle with these thoughts. There's a word we use, Trinitarian. Not only does it prove the sovereignty of God the Father, please hold on with me. Not only does this term, Alpha and Omega, prove the sovereignty of God the Father over all of human history, but it also proves the co-equal sovereignty of God the Son over all of human history. Brothers and sisters, lest we are tempted for one second to doubt the deity of the Christ we have been fixing our eyes on, this settles the issue. All the way through the scriptures, these passages dynamically prove this. Jesus is God. Let us never forget it. Jesus was not just this really nice man. Jesus was not just a prophet. Jesus is God. Jesus is fully God, as we've said on a number of occasions. Jesus is fully God and fully man. Why? So that he could fully rescue. If Jesus Christ was not fully God, he could not fully rescue. If Jesus was not fully man, he could not fully rescue. Jesus Christ was fully God and fully man at the same time so that he could fully rescue. We cannot completely understand that, but brothers and sisters in Christ, it is taught all the way through that Bible you hold on your lap, and we will believe it. Although distinct in person, Jesus is one in essence with God the Father Jesus, the Alpha and Omega, and God, the Alpha and Omega, are one. You might say, Pastor Andrew, that was dealt with like years ago. Well, we're talking like Council of Nicaea and all of those councils that years ago, like, like 1,500 years ago. Brothers and sisters, this is in doubt in theology that is being taught in our town right here, right now, maybe even this very day. And we hold to the fact that Jesus Christ is fully God and fully man at the same time so that he can fully redeem. Okay, he's the Alpha and Omega, the beginning of the end. So then, okay, let's dial in on this. Alpha and Omega. I'm the Alpha and Omega. Simply enough, Alpha and Omega are the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet. All right. As you see on the screen there. In the Bible, the Holy Spirit uses beautiful figures of speech, and this is one of them. I am the Alpha and Omega says more than I am just the beginning and the end. In the figures of speech used in the Bible, and we've talked about this before, there's a certain figure of speech called a mirrorism. I don't know if you remember talking about this. You see this often, especially in the book of Psalms. A mirrorism is stating a dynamic end here and a dynamic end here, including everything between. That's exactly what's happening here in this passage. It's a mirrorism. This mirrorism, Alpha and Omega, symbolizes origin and completion, but also sovereignty over everything that happens in between. Everything. I was enjoying meditating on the words of some some really good commentators this week. One, one guy, Grant Osborne, 
By the way, by sharing these guys, doesn't mean I agree with everything they say about Revelation. But I love how he describes this. He says, Alpha and Omega are, of course, the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet. But, at the same time, they summarize all the other letters in the alphabet. This title is therefore saying that God controls the beginning and the end, as well as everything in between. In other words, God is sovereign over all history. It is all, all of human history is summed up in Him. Another commentator, Greg Beale, says this. He describes it this way, the Alpha and Omega. The God who transcends time. Catch this. Is God limited by time? Yes or no? No. But God has chosen to create time elements that we're part of. You and I, we have time elements in our lives. God transcends time. He has no beginning and have, will have no end. The God who transcends time guides the entire course of history because he stands as sovereign over its beginning and end. The titles figuratively connote the totality of polarity. Okay, two different ends. Christ's presence at and sovereignty over the beginning of creation and over the end of creation are boldly stated in order to indicate that He is also present at and sovereign over all events in between. Okay, so in our minds, when we read Alpha and Omega, we've got to stop just thinking it's the beginning and the end. This is a figure of speech that says all of human history is consumed with God. All of, and more specifically, all of human history centers on one person. And who is this person, brothers and sisters? It is the person that we've been fixing our eyes on. It is Jesus Christ, the righteous one. I want us to do this this morning. Let's just look at these. If, if we want to put them in human time aspects, let's do it. So we're going to talk a little bit of a past, present, and future. Alpha and Omega and everything in between, all right? Where do we find ourselves right now? Well, obviously, we're in the present <laughs> and the middle ground because I'm pretty sure there's no one's died yet in this service. <laughs> so maybe if we keep going too long, you will, or at least look like it if you fall asleep. That's okay. But right now, we're all alive, so we're in the present. And let's look at it a little deeper, starting with this one here. As the Alpha and Omega, Jesus Christ, has been the sovereign origin for all life. I'm not going to belabor this. I'm not going to spend a ton of time describing this. It's pretty self-explanatory. But here it is. As we refer to Jesus the Alpha. Okay, think about how we normally use the term Alpha. It's a term of preeminence, right? Superiority. Um... Alpha dog kind of mentality, right? Uh, but what you do if you just completely bring that into this discussion is that you eliminate the clear time aspects of what's being taught here. Certainly, in Colossians 1 we see this, Jesus is supreme over all time. But according to this passage, I believe he's dialing in very clearly on the fact that Jesus is first in time aspect, okay? Thank you, Pastor Andrew, but what does that mean for me? Jesus Christ is the beginning for every human being that has ever been born. Do you understand that? 
all 100 billion people they estimate since the creation of time, all of them, guess who was the miraculous beginning of all of them? Jesus. Jesus is the miraculous origin of every single human being. Jesus is the agent through which God created the entire world. Okay, prove it. Well, the same one that was writing this about the Alpha and Omega and Revelation through the Spirit, what does he state in the first part of the Gospel of John? Old man John says what about Jesus? If you in your minds, it's on the back of your handout too. This verse, what does he say? Some things were made through him and without him. That's not what it says, right? All things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. The fact is not one single being can claim his or her existence apart from Jesus Christ. That's the fact of the Bible. As, as cute as we want to get to try to navigate around that thought through the histories, there's been some really creative, I want to say, theories on how we exist. The fact of the matter is, not a single person who has ever existed can ever claim existence without Jesus. I love how Paul says this in Colossians 1. Here's a passage that it would be good for your homework's sake to, to study on this week. Here it is. Colossians 1, 15 and 16. He is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn. He's the preeminent one of all creation. Verse 16. For by Jesus, by Him, all things were created in heaven and in earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority. All things were created through Him and for Him. Okay, you can't add to that list, really. How many things were created by Jesus, brothers and sisters in Christ? All things were created by Him. He is the Alpha, the beginning Really, we are specifically talking here about the absolute miracle of conception and birth for all 100 billion people who have ever walked the face of the earth, as well as those precious little ones who have not had the choice to walk on the face of this earth. In a general sense, we, we, would not exist. In very practical terms, we would not be here today if it weren't for Jesus Christ. Okay, I want to make that very personal, though. You would not be here today if it weren't for Jesus Christ. So when we fix our eyes on Jesus, we're fixing our eyes on the one who is the origin of our life. And then, not only that, <clears throat> he's the ending of our life. But before we get to the ending, there's a dynamic middle to our lives. That's that mirrorism. So I want us to focus for a couple minutes on that. As the Alpha and Omega, Jesus is the sovereign, and put this word down, and let's log this back in our minds. Jesus is the sovereign purpose for all life. Okay, it's, it's, it's no hiding the fact that we live in a world right now that's crying out for some type of purpose. I need this. What, what is the meaning of my life? How many books have been written the last... Well, we can say 20 years, but how many have been written in the last 100 years? Think about it. You could fill an entire library with documents about finding meaning in your life. I'm going to say of all, those, all of those volumes that have been written, it can be summarized in two words. Jesus Christ. 
the full meaning of our lives found clearly in Jesus Christ. What do I mean by purpose? Well, I think, I think back to that passage where we just were, Colossians 1. I want to just look at that. Colossians 1, if you, maybe you caught this, this statement. Verse 18. All things were created through him and what? For him. Did you catch that? There's some differences of opinion exactly what that might look like, but I very, I'm going to have to spend some time digging into that passage. I had a class and I had to dig into this statement. I believe what this is saying is the purpose of human existence is for Jesus Christ. The meaning of life is found only in Jesus Christ. Jesus is both the agent of creation and the purpose of all creation. And I love then how it's said in verse 17 of Colossians 1. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Wow. How beautiful is this? That chair you're sitting in right now is very literally held together by Jesus Christ. And we better be thankful for that. But not only in a literal sense, I believe also in this metaphoric sense. That who holds together the meaning and purpose for your life right here, right now? When you get out of bed in the morning and you're like, oh dear, I just want to go back to sleep. What's the motivation for living another day? What's the motivation for finding purpose for what God has given you to do that very day? It is found in Jesus Christ. A passage that, here's another homework passage. Would you spend some time this week meditating on Ephesians 1, 13 through 14, or 3 through 14? Longer passage, and I would love to jump into that right now, but I want to just dial in on verses 7 through 10, because in the, in the translation I'm going to read from, it shares this one word purpose three times. And we're talking about purpose. It's finding absolute satisfaction in. It's talking about finding good pleasure in. It's finding about fulfilled desire. How is the world going to find its good desire? And here's how the world is going to find its good desire. It's true satisfaction. And what truly satisfies God. And what truly satisfies God is Jesus Christ. <laughs> Can we see that in verse 7? And I hope you're tracking. You all tracking? On the same page here? Haven't lost anybody? All right. Verse 7. In him, Jesus, we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses. According to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. Wow. But then, verse 9. Making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he has set forth, here it is, in Christ. As a plan for the fullness of time. Okay, very quickly, what did we just talk about time? Beginning, ending, everything in between. What is Ephesians 1 talking about? Paul in Ephesians 1 even talks about before the foundation of the world. He's talking about time. There's so many time stamps in Ephesians 1. But he says this, the fullness of time is found in one purpose. The purpose of all of this is found in Christ. 
Verse 10 again, I'll just read this. As a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him. We're talking about things in heaven and things on earth. All are coming together with this purpose of Jesus Christ. Man, we could, we could talk about this for another hour this morning. The purpose of Jesus. Man, we could talk about this all year. But, but I want to just close this study out with this. Think about what we've meditated in the last five months. Would you just think with me for a minute how that Jesus is not just the beginning and the ending. Jesus fills in all the gaps between. What am I talking about? We find true meaning for life in Jesus because he, brothers and sisters in Christ, he is the sovereign, supreme rescuer. That was our second study. We find true meaning for life in Jesus because he is, remember this one? He's the promised conqueror. Remember this one? Jesus is the calmer of the storm. Jesus is meaning for your life and my life. Why? Because Jesus is the cornerstone. What about this one? We find meaning in life because Jesus is the preeminent one. What about this one? We find meaning in life because Jesus is the light of the world. What about this one? We find meaning in life because Jesus is the bread of life. What about this one? We find meaning in life because Jesus is, he's the lamb of God. Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus is the one and only. Jesus is the foot washer. Jesus is the true vine. Jesus is the high priest who, for, who provides an anchor for your soul. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Jesus provides true meaning for our lives because Jesus is the coming bridegroom. And as we looked at most recently, Jesus provides meaning for your life today. The struggles you're going through today. Why? Because He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. We cannot find meaning in life that will ever trump, will ever find its way above in superiority the person of Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, there's some that search their whole life for meaning and significance. And they die with emptiness. Why? Because they've never found it in Jesus Christ. Jesus is no joke. Jesus is certainly not just a name slandered when someone is surprised or angry. No, Jesus is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. And he's the one who gives meaning and purpose to your life today. Let this sink in. Let us let this sink in for a moment. I just said a lot of words. I get excited about this stuff. But let this sink in for a minute. Jesus provides meaning for your life right here, right now. Okay. We've looked at two time aspects, the beginning of all life, the middle of all life, and I want us to spend the last five, ten minutes or so meditating on, thinking on the end. I'm just going to warn you, this isn't as pretty for some as it will be for others. It's exactly what the Bible says. In Revelation chapter 21, verse 1, we find this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, And the sea was no more. 
Revelation 22, verse 13 says this, I am the Alpha and Omega. Jesus says the first and the last, the beginning and the end. The fact is this. Life as we know it will end. This will end. I'm not talking about the body of Christ. But I'm talking about when you walk out these doors and all this you see out here, it'll end. Life as we know it will end. That's what the Bible says. All of human history has been working towards a dynamic end. And, and now here comes the kicker. Are you ready for it? Because he is the Alpha and Omega. How we respond to Jesus will tell how this ends for us. How you respond to this one we fixed our eyes on for 19 weeks will tell how your life ends. It will be a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful ending for some. It will be an awful, awful, awful ending for others. John, the one used by God to write Revelation, the one chosen by God to show his vision to of the ends, he also writes in 1 John. We heard this quoted last week. In a presentation of 1 John, a memorized, I mean, a quotation of it was great. Um, I, th I think there's a lot of really good love aspects to this passage too, 1 John 5. Beloved, little children, you see the heart of John come out in compassion, not just harshness, but compassion. And I think we see this in his cries in 1 John 5, 11 and 12, and this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. Verse 12, we can highlight this, we can circle this, here it is, whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. Uh, I mean, in our minds, I want to briefly return to Jesus' last discourse. A couple weeks ago, we looked at Jesus' last discourse in Matthew, the fifth discourse. The disciples were asking about the end. And here it is. Jesus, when talking about the end, and, and, and honestly there's a bit of discrepancy among theologians that could distract us from what's being said here. A lot of theologians have disagreement on when the judgment of Matthew 25 will happen and who will be part of this judgment. And I don't want to focus on that this morning. I just want to focus on the fact that it will happen. Matthew 25, 31 through 46. I'm not going to read all these verses, but I do want, it's on the back of your handout at the bottom. Would you look with me at this? When, when the Son of Man comes in His glory, and this is coming from Jesus Christ about Himself. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before Him will be gathered all the nations, and He will separate people one from another. As a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you, are, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. 
Jesus doesn't stop there, though. There's so much more in this passage, but just skip down to verse 41. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Verse 46. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Friends, please, please understand this comes from a heart of love for each person in this room. I, ca I can't patty cake around this. <laughs> to teach the whole counsel of God, you have to teach this. These words are not coming from my limited reasoning abilities and my frail speech. This is coming from the Alpha and Omega, Jesus Christ himself. I could state this very clearly. Here it is. Your end will be determined by how you respond to Jesus Christ, the Alpha and Omega. Will you selfishly discard him in casual rejection? Or will you truly receive him in repentant faith? So what? We've already kind of gotten there. So what? I just got to start with this question. Because I know there's probably some in this room that have been wrestling with this for the next last 19 studies. Maybe you're young, maybe you're older. But have you put your faith in the Alpha and Omega? Truly, have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? Jesus says in Matthew 11, come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Through times of unrest, through times of uncertainty and disgust in your life, you, sitting there right now, analyzing this. Is God Almighty pulling on your heartstrings, saying, come to me, come. Come all you who are weary and heavy laden. I'm the only way you're going to find rest in this weary, weary world. Have you come to Jesus? Child sitting there right now, you've listened well the last 19 weeks. I have a question for you. Will you come to Jesus, the one who loves you? Teen sitting in this room right now, you're, at, you're, you're trying to figure out right now whether you want to live this Christian life as a fake and just take on the Jesus talk with the Jesus people and hold the Jesus book? Or are you going to believe in Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ? Come to Him. Teens that are weary and heavy laden, and He will give you rest for your weary soul. Young adults, moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas, Will you come to Jesus? As Paul shares to the Philippian jailer about to take his own life in Acts chapter 16, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be rescued. Would you believe on Jesus? As Paul shares to this, this struggling church in Rome, Romans chapter 10, he says this, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be rescued it's Jesus that we fixed our eyes on the last 19 studies. Would you put your faith and trust in him alone for your salvation? In just a minute, we're going to close in prayer. 
There's going to be some chaplains that will stand at the front as we pray together. Don't delay. Maybe there's some more wrestling you need to do at home. This is not a light conversation. This is not a light confession in your life. Would you come to Jesus today? For those of us who have truly received Jesus by grace, through faith, I have a question for you. This is the same question that I need to ask myself every single day. It is this. Is your life consumed with the Alpha and Omega? And you might want to add this in there. I didn't add it on there, but right before the word consumed, would you add the word still? Is your life still consumed with the Alpha and Omega? Some of you remember that blessed time when you came to Jesus Christ. Maybe it was a youth camp and Jesus was pulling on your heartstrings and you received him by faith. Maybe it was in a service just like this where this preacher who preaches forever <laughs> is still talking about this Alpha and Omega. And you received him. Maybe it was in a VBS. But I have a question for you. Do you still, are you still consumed with Jesus Christ? That is the call of a disciple. The same book that we've been studying, Revelation, in chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, Jesus himself says to this church in Ephesus, I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake. Okay, so he's talking about people in ministry. People who are enduring and doing good. They're doing right things. But then what does he say? You have not grown weary, but I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at the first question for all of us as we conclude this study, as we fixed our eyes on Jesus, brothers and sisters in Christ, have you left your first love? Can you truly say you love Jesus today more than you ever have in your entire life? Jesus, this bridegroom, this King of kings and Lord of lords, the one who came to save your soul. Do you love him? Do you spend meaningful time with him every single day of your life, thanking him for saving your wretched soul? John says, we love him because he first loved us. We could do nothing to find grace to this God, to prove ourselves to this God. We could do nothing to impress this God. The only way that we can step into the holiness of God is through Jesus Christ the righteous. Are you consumed still with Jesus Christ? So much that one more question I have, are you sharing the Alpha and Omegas with others? Guess what, brothers and sisters and friends? You're going to run into people this week in this community that are crying out for an Alpha and Omega. They're crying out for a Jesus, someone that's going to give them meaning in their life. This week you might talk on the phone with family members that are trying to find purpose in this life. Or maybe you're going to talk with them around your kitchen table. You're going to have a discussion with your friend your neighbor. You're going to have a discussion with your teammate, possibly, or your friend at school. And I have a question for you. Will you share Jesus with them? Will you share that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life? Paul says this, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. Do you believe that? Closing words before he went to heaven, Jesus says, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. What are you doing to proclaim this Jesus, this Jesus that we fixed our eyes on the last 19 weeks? What are you doing to shine this light of Jesus in a dark world? What will you do by God's grace this week 
Brothers and sisters in Christ, as our faith is tested, we must fix our eyes on Jesus, who is the Alpha and Omega. I want to thank you, God, for the fact that we have the privilege of studying your word. Every single week we come together to encourage our hearts in Jesus Christ. God, the gospel is not just sufficient to bring us into relationship with you. The gospel is sufficient to keep us in relationship with you. So I pray that we would be consumed with the good news of Jesus Christ every day of our lives. I want to thank you for those who sat here and listened so well this morning, but I pray that it would translate from the ears and the mind to the heart and the feet. My friends this morning who are here, my brothers and sisters in Christ, we're going to close out this service in just a minute with a song and a celebration of baptism. But I never want to close out a service without reminding you that these words that you heard today are to compel a reaction. And here's the question I have for you. Have you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? You, not the person sitting next to you, not the person on the other side of the room from you, you. Have you repented of your sin and come to Jesus Christ in saving faith? It's no mistake that you're here today. God wanted you here. You know what my prayer is, is that if you're not, if you've not come to Jesus Christ in saving faith, that you won't be able to get the words we talked about today out of your mind quite honestly, that you'll be plagued with these words until you receive Jesus Christ. <laughs> and think of them over and over and over again until you respond to him in faith. Would you come to Jesus in faith today? Those who have come to Jesus in faith, quick question I have for you is, are you consumed still with Jesus Christ? Would you pray a prayer of resolve right now? It is only by God's grace that we can live out that resolve today and tomorrow and the next day. Would you ask God that he would give you the grace to live for him? Lastly, I'm going to kind of ask another question here. Would you pray this? It's a, it's a testy prayer. That this week, God would give you three opportunities to share Jesus' love with people in your community. Okay, let, let's just start with one. Would you pray that God would give you the grace to talk with one person about Jesus Christ this week? If he's truly done something in your heart, you're not going to be able to contain it. But Pastor, I don't know all the words to say. I'll tell you what can tell them. Tell what Jesus did in your own heart. That there's a God who loves them and expressed his love through Jesus Christ. He's calling them to him. If you're wrestling with your own salvation, your eternal, eternal destiny, I would encourage you this morning. We're going to close out with an anthem of praise and song. We're going to sing, Christ is enough. I have decided to follow Jesus.
And if you've not decided to follow Jesus, I would encourage you to come and talk with some of the front who might be able to lead you to call out to Jesus to save your soul. A confession of faith. Don't delay. God, we want to thank you for the time we could spend in your word today. Thank you for the listening ears and now bless as we celebrate the time of baptism. And we pray this in Jesus' name.